Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the blizzard of 2022. Yes, welcome to Stevens Creek Church. You know, uh, for folks who are uh, raised in the north, this is just a non-event. For those southerners, I mean, this is a big deal, apparently. And so anyway, we're so glad to have you in church. Like, uh, Welcome all those watching online. I'll tell you, it is something else here. But you know, let's get started. You know I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the young blonde who got caught in a snowstorm? And she remembered what her daddy told her. She said, you know, if you ever get lost in a snowstorm, just pull over and wait for a snowplow. And then you follow the snowplow and, uh, to safety. And so sure enough, she sat there for a few minutes, and a snowplow came by, and she got right behind the snowplow. And uh, after about 45 minutes, the, uh, the guy that's driving the truck uh, paused and stopped and came back to her car and said, ma'am, can I help you? She said, well, my daddy told me that if, uh, if I ever got lost in a snowstorm, I could just follow a plow. He said, well, that's fine. He said, I just finished the Walmart parking lot, and I'm going over to Best Buy. You can follow me over there. Uh, you know how to find Will Smith in a snowstorm, don't you? Just look for the Fresh Prince. <clears throat> oh, there's more if we just got time. There's just more. Now, we're glad that you're here. You know, several, uh, some time ago, I saw a survey from the Gallup organization that said 84% of Americans believe in the Ten Commandments. Now, I was quite proud of that until I realized that 30% of those people who were polled could not name three commandments. You know, back in a previous generation, the Ten Commandments were taught regularly. In fact, they were taught in our public schools. But we live in a different, different day. But we have to understand the Ten Commandments are still important. They provide a foundation for our judicial system. They provide a foundation for morality for all of our lives. I was looking over my preaching notes, trying to find the last time that I preached on the Ten Commandments. And you think about the all Ten Commandments. Sometimes I've done series, all ten-week series, or just one day, all ten. I think, when was the last time I just did a one-day event on all Ten Commandments? And I looked, and I looked, and I looked, and it was 20 years ago. And so if you stand before the Lord and he says, recite the Ten Commandments and I'll let you in, uh, you can just blame me. But I'm trying to make up. I'll tell you, I, I was somewhat embarrassed about that, honestly. And I said, I'm going to do better. So today and next week, we're going to focus on the Ten Commandments. When you think about this, this is important. Because the Ten Commandments story is told in Deuteronomy and it's also told in Exodus. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1, it said, And God spoke all of these words. That's why it's important, because God spoke them. God spoke and he is the authority. Just one word, we just sang it. He has the authority. Just one word. 
And when we think about the Ten Commandments, we understand that it was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. That God called him up on Mount Sinai for 40 days, and uh, he wrote out the Ten Commandments on two different tablets. On the first tablet, he wrote the first four commandments. And those commandments deal with uh, loving God. It deals with your relationship with God. On the second tablet, there are six commandments, and those commandments deal with your relationship with other people. So the point is, the Ten Commandments teach us to love God and to love people. Now, we're not saved by them, but we are kept safe by them. We're not saved by them, but we are kept safe by them. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now, right up front, the Lord is reminding the children of Israel, I am your God. I have brought you out of slavery. I have redeemed you, and you are my chosen people. They needed to be reminded of that, that they have been redeemed. So many times we look at these commandments and we say, oh, man, the Ten Commandments, they're so negative, but they're really not negative. They're really positive. And I believe that they're steps to a better life. In fact, I believe that every one of us can grow in our faith by embracing the principles of Exodus chapter 20. So with that in mind, we focus on the first commandment. It said, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. God is very clear about what he expects. This is a statement about priorities. This is a statement that teaches us the importance of having our priorities in line. Here's the point. Put God first. Put God first. This will be the best year of your life if this is the best year spiritually. Put God first. This will be the best year of your life if this is the best year of your life spiritually. God wants you to build your life around him. God wants to be number one in your life. This is what we see in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then all these other things will be added unto you as well. Here's what I know, that when you put God first in your life, when you seek God first, he's going to take care of everything else. I mean, even Proverbs tells us that. In everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Now, we hear that word success, and most of us in this room would say, yeah, sign me up. I want to be a success in life. We all would agree to that. But the secret of your success is found in putting God first. Just very practical. Do you want a successful marriage? Put God first in your marriage. Do you want a successful family? Put God first in your family. Do you want a successful career? Put God first in your career. Do you want a successful student life? Put God first in your relationships, in your student life. God does not bless what he's not number one in. 
But God blesses in amazing ways those things and those experiences that we place him first in. So just imagine this. What if tomorrow morning when you got up, that the very first thing that you said when you woke up, you said, good morning, Lord, I dedicate this day to you. Sometimes we overcomplicate this. I believe if you'll start right, you'll end right. So the very first thing said, good morning, Lord, today I dedicate this day to you. Can you imagine getting the kids ready? If you have kids um, on Tuesday when they go back to school and you're, you hear the bus coming and they're about to run out the door and you, and you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And you say, Father, in Jesus' name, bless them today. Let them be leaders and not followers. Uh, and we pray this in Jesus' name. He said, go, go, get out the door. I mean, just very practically, just very practical. Can, can you imagine on Tuesday, uh, you have got a meeting, and, uh, or, or maybe Monday if, if you don't have the holiday off, and uh, your assistant says, hey, uh, Mr. So-and-so, or Ms. So-and-so is here for the meeting, and do uh, you want me to send them in? I said, wait just a minute. And then you just take a minute and said, Jesus, give me the words to say in this meeting cover this meeting and help me make a lot of money in this meeting in Jesus' name. And just say, oh yeah, come on. Come on in. I'm ready to meet. I think it's really about surrendering our lives to him. Making God number one in our lives. Anything um, besides God that's number one in your life is an idol. And that leads us to the second commandment today. Verse 4, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below, beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Basically, no idols. And most of us think, check, what's the next one? I don't have a problem with idols because I cleaned out my house and I found a little Buddha and I took him to the Goodwill. That may be a good place for Buddha to go, but it probably is better as kindling for your fire. But you say, I don't have a problem with little idols. Well, we've got to understand this, that you're not going to make yourself a graven image in the form of anything in heaven above. You don't bow down to them. You don't worship them. You know, idols can be statues. They can be pictures. They can be things that we worship, in essence. But, you know, they can be more than that. Uh, they can be simple possessions. An idol can be a car. An idol can be a house. An idol can be an experience. It could be a club. An idol could be some form of technology where we bow down to these possessions. Because you see, the idols that we worship command our attention. And when we focus on them, it's like we're driving God out of our lives. Here's the point. We need to worship the Lord. Worship the Lord only. Don't allow the things of this world to become idols that you worship. This commandment is telling us that we need to treasure God above everything else. Don't reduce him to a graven image. Don't reduce him to an object. Don't reduce him to something that is man-made. 
but you need to worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, what does it mean to worship? Worship means simply to love God back. See, God loves you, and he wants you to love him back. When we love him back, it's called a worship. So worship is knowing God and loving him back. It's putting our focus on him. So the first commandment deals with the who of worship, and the second commandment tells us about how we worship. You know, one way that we worship God is through reading the Bible. And so I know that we've just got out of New Year's and that all, many of us have used New Year's time to create some New Year's resolutions. Now, 80% of your resolutions are about diet and exercise. I get that. But the 20%, I want you to consider making a resolution to read the Bible. I mean, what if you were able to read the Bible through this year? And we want to walk alongside of you in that process. You know, you can go to stevenscreekchurch.com and on our, our webpage, to the left of the front page, there is a menu bar. And if you look down there, you'll see a tab that says One Year Bible. You click on that One Year Bible and you'll see verses for that day and you'll see a short devotional. If you actually read those verses every day, by the end of the year, you'll have read the entire Bible. That's just one way to do that. You may have other flows that you like to do, but what I'm saying is create some uh, type of Bible reading plan. And in, in these days, it can be a listening plan too. The Version Bible, that's Y-O-U version Bible, can be downloaded from the App Store and that you can read from there or you can click and they will read the Bible to you. And so... Uh, I do both. I read and then I also listen, especially when I get to the places where there's hard words that I don't quite know how to pronounce. I try to listen to somebody else pronounce them so that when I get up here that I, I say it right. I do that about 50% of the time, that is, say it right. But you don't know the difference. But if you start listening to the Version Bible, you will know the difference and you'll call me on it. That's, that's okay. That drops down to the next verse. It said, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. This verse teaches us that God's name is special. It's precious. And that he has invited us into a relationship with us, and he has given us his name. Here's the point. We need to keep God's name holy. We keep God's name holy because God will not put up with the irreverent use of his name. We keep God's name holy because God's not going to put up with the irreverent use of his name. Now, as a southern boy, I, I grew up thinking this commandment is particularly one of my grandmother's directives. Son, don't cuss. That means you just can't cuss. Well, that does mean that. Uh, but it's interesting that culture has changed, uh, you know, the use of media and the, just the delivery of the media just gives the devil an opportunity to, to control and to introduce words and, and just really, um, it's almost like we, they fill the, in, the entertainment industry with gutter language. I mean, you're just 
You're so used to it now. And that, that's a sad thing. We live in a day when the name of God um, is smeared and it's dragged through the mud on a daily basis. We live in a day where the name of Jesus is used as a filler in a conversation or an explanation point. And this verse, basic, this verse tells us we need to keep it holy. We need to treat it special that we should not use profanity. You look at the word profanity, and we understand its meaning from the Latin heritage. It's a com uh, compound word, pro, meaning in front of, fain, meaning the temple. And it gives us this idea that we are not to use language that we are not comfortable using in front of the temple or in the temple, in a sanctuary, or in a church. So the big idea is this, if you can't say it in church, don't say it when you're out of church. If you can't say it in church, don't say it when you're out of church. And uh, that's always interesting because, you know, I grew up in the South and it's kind of interesting how many Christian curse words that you have because you can't say the real ones, so you just create ones. Like at our house, we could say dang. But for some reason, we couldn't say darn or the, uh, the next level. Um, and so we couldn't do that, we, you know, because we, we don't want to cuss. My goodness. You know, and I know you refined people, you cursed. We, we didn't curse. We cussed. Okay? We just simply cussed. And uh, we think about that. Um, and so many times we'd say geez because we sure wasn't going to say Jesus. And so there's this, these words that we were, would use as fillers. And so when I talk about this, I really want to talk about the heart of the matter and not necessarily the legalism of it. Because I believe that you could say geez or you could say dang or, or some of those uh, approved words to communicate anger or distrust or frustration. And you can use some of the approved words that do that but still actually offend the Lord. Because it's really about a heart issue and not necessarily anything else. The Bible actually says that out of your heart will flow, um, your words flow out of your heart. So uh, those things that you speak out come from within. And so that's why it's so important that we use this time of 21 days of prayer to focus on getting the junk out of our lives. Because, y'all, we are junked up. We're junked up. And so we just take in so many negative memes and negative words. And, and, and if we're not careful, we just get junked up. And there comes the time where we have to empty that stuff, get the junk out of our lives and fill us with the Holy Spirit. Now, in, in this culture, you probably don't hear too many people say dang or geez or whatever. They just say whatever they want. You know, uh, there's a lot of... Uh, language without restraint here. But I'll tell you what has become interesting here is our use of God's name like, oh my God. How many times do we say that? Every time you watch an HGTV show and they show the reveal, they walk in and what's the same thing on everyone. They're surprised that their house looks different than it does, did before the renovation. 
And they walk in and they say, oh my God. Well, that's a slang word that we need to be careful with. Now, oh my God is fine to say those words if you're saying, oh my God, I need help today. That's a little bit different. Oh my God, what a great light fixture. You know, and so we, we deal with that. Now, of course, we don't have to say it anymore because we can just text OMG. You know, and so what we don't want to do is be so legalistic and, and have the, the word police chasing us. That's not what this is about. This is about the spirit. This is about your heart. And so just let the good things, if you put good things in your heart, good things are going to flow out of your heart. Let's move on. Next verse. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you'll labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. So here's the point. Keep the Lord's day special. Keep the Lord's day special. If you are... uh, If God is going to be your best friend, then you should give him your best time. If God's going to be your best friend, you need to give your best time to him. So keep it special. Now, interesting, when you look at all Ten Commandments, this is the only one that starts with the word remember. And this is very intriguing here because... uh, The Sabbath is used to remember where we have come from, to remember God's goodness and God's grace. Now, let's just think about this. The the Sabbath is Saturday. And you're saying, okay, Pastor Mario said, if the Sabbath is Saturday, uh, why are we in church today and not yesterday? Well, who knows? We may have a Saturday night service sometime. But here's the reason that we don't worship on Saturday. Jesus went to the cross on Friday And he rose from the dead on Sunday. So when Jesus rose from the dead, the Christian church at that point moved their time of worship from Saturday to Sunday, and they call it the Lord's Day. So that's how all of that developed. And so we've got to understand the Sabbath is a concept, not in in addition to being a day of the week. So the Sabbath is a 24-hour period where we rest we reflect, and we reconnect with God. And so that's what it's so important. It's a time to remember what God has done, to reflect on his greatness. And it goes deeper than that. You've got to understand, God is speaking to a group of Israelites who have been enslaved for 430 years. They've been enslaved. For 430 years, they found their identity in what they could produce, how many bricks they could produce. If they didn't produce enough bricks, then they would be abused, they'd be mistreated, they'd be shamed, um, and so forth. And so this went on for a year after, for seven days a week, they made bricks and they found their identity in their work. And they cried out to God, God, deliver us. God, save us. God, rescue us. God heard their prayer. And God raised up a man named Moses, 
And Moses went to the leader, Pharaoh, and said, let God's people go. Now, Pharaoh was stubborn and not willing to do that. Then there was a 10 miracles or 10 plagues that hit them. And eventually, Pharaoh said, you can go and worship God. And Moses led the 2 million Israelites out of slavery. They got to the Red Sea. He parted the waters of the Red Sea, and they went over and dry, on dry ground. They saw the great miracle. The waters covered the army that was chasing them to come back, and they died in, in the uh, experience, and the Israelites were free, and they were headed to a promised land. Now, they got hungry during this process, and God said, I'll meet your needs. In fact, I will give you manna every morning. You go out, you collect this manna, and then you bake this, and it's bread, and you can be sustained as you travel from where you are to the promised land on this manna. But when it comes to day number six, you need to get enough for day number six and day number seven. Because you're not going to work on the Sabbath day. Get just enough. In fact, we see this in Exodus 16. It says, tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Holy. It means it's, it is a day that is completely set apart from the others. It says, tomorrow is a rest, a day of rest. It's a day... Um, that's set apart. Now, you've got to understand, these people didn't know how to rest. They worked all the time. These people found their identity in what they did. So God was using the Sabbath to teach them how to rest because all they did was make bricks and make more bricks and reach quotas. Their identity, again, was found in what they produced so here we see a God, uh, God who is in his grace and compassion with the love of a father is trying to teach these people that he is nothing like Pharaoh, that God is nothing like Pharaoh. A Pharaoh wants you to work and see your value, your identity in what you produce, but the Sabbath the Sabbath is a day where you find your identity in God. You step away from your work. You connect with God. You understand that God created you, and God gave you this ability to create wealth. But your identity is in God and God alone. So if we were to think about this and go a little bit deeper into this thought, and we put ourselves into it, we have to ask the question, who is your Pharaoh? Who is your Pharaoh? And you may say, Marty, you shouldn't ask those kind of questions on a Sunday morning. Well, let me tell you a story about Johnny Cash. He's a great musician and is a great artist. And if you read any of his autobiographies or if you watch the movie Walk the Line, you'll know that his older brother died. And Johnny Cash's dad loved him so much and would have preferred that Johnny die instead of his older brother. So Johnny had this angst inside of him and this belief that he didn't have any worth. And you can hear that in some of the music that he has written. 
and he struggled with that. And he was always trying to get the approval of his daddy. All his life, he was get uh, the approval of his daddy. There's one scene in the story where Johnny buys a brand new house. He's got June Carter there, his wife, and then the Carter family came to celebrate this new house, and then Johnny's dad came. They're around the table, and, and he just said, Dad, what do you think about the house? Is it big enough? You like the house? What do you think? Tell me, tell me, tell me. He's begging for his father's approval, and his father just looks at him and says, it's all right. It's just a house. Johnny gets up from the table, walks outside, and he realized that there's nothing that he could do to make his daddy happy. He had lived his whole life serving Pharaoh. His whole life serving Pharaoh, his dad. Who's your Pharaoh? Is it your earthly dad, your earthly mom? Who's your Pharaoh? Is it your boss? What is that thing that, that keeps your mind spinning all the time? What is that thing that keeps you from getting disconnected from work? What is that thing that keeps you climbing and striving and achieving and performing? What's that thing? It could be a lie somebody spoke over you. It could be a person. It could be a voice in your head. Who's your Pharaoh? The Sabbath reminds us that we have been rescued from Pharaoh. Remember the Sabbath. Remember that God rescued you, that God set you free. The Sabbath wants you to stop bowing down to Pharaoh and bow down to the Lord. Now, Johnny Cash never felt like he never received his father's approval. But his life changed in the 1970s. His life changed when he bowed down to Jesus Christ and he repented of his sins and came to faith in Christ. He attended a church of God in Tennessee, in Henderson, Tennessee. And the pastor at that time was John Cobal, Pastor Cobal. Pastor Cobal led him to the Lord, and, and Pastor Cobal uh, eventually left that church and moved to Monroe, Louisiana, and became Patty's pastor. And he's the pastor that married Patty and me. And so uh, here's a picture of Johnny Cash being baptized by Pastor Cobal. For years, Johnny Cash was known for drugs and alcohol and wild living, but Jesus Christ rescued him. Jesus Christ saved him. Jesus Christ made him clean. There is nothing too dirty that God cannot make worthy. Today, Jesus wants to do the same for you. And over the next few minutes, I want to just give you an opportunity to think about what I've said thus far. Just think about it. 
April, Sergio's coming around to sing a song called Clean. And I, as she sings, I just want you to remain seated. And then quietly just listen to the words of that song and let it speak to you. And then I'll come back and we'll lead in prayer.
God is here to make you clean. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you, where you've been. There is nothing too dirty that God cannot make worthy. You know, oftentimes uh, in church world, we talk about people who have been rescued. You know, like the Johnny Cash story that He'd been rescued from a life of the words of a Pharaoh, a life of drugs and alcohol and all of that. He'd been rescued from that. We call that rescue being saved. God has the power to save. You know, another section of the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. And today I want to speak to you, I want to speak to those watching online, that today is your day. You can be saved. That guilt and shame can be removed. And you can be made new. Today is your day. I want to ask you to bow your heads and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's got two parts. The first, I'm going to pray just over you, and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But if you want to be saved today, today is your day. Just so that I can know who I'm praying for, I just want you to slip your hand and say, Marty, I want to be saved today. Let me see your hands. Anybody in this room? Yes, others still. Still others. Every service, yes. Okay, you can put them down now. Anybody else? I want to pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over this group of people. I pray over our congregation. I pray over those watching online today. I pray that in this moment, we sense your presence. That this is a moment where we feel something. We feel something. We, we sense that this is not just something that happens 
out in the culture, but this is a holy moment. Father, I pray for people in this room. I pray for those watching. I pray that your presence would be cover them. And Lord, there's a group of people here that are going to make their next step. And they're going to ask you to save them. So let your presence be especially strong as they step out in faith and pray this prayer. Okay, I want to lead you in this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Say that. Come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. Save me. Pray this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you want me to be. I give you my life, meaning I give you my past. I trust you with my future. I am yours. Pray this. Say, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. I receive that in your name. And Father, I pray not only for those, but I pray for those that are rededicating their lives today. And I pray for another group of people who have been enslaved by a Pharaoh, a Pharaoh of negative words, a Pharaoh that is projected evil on them. Whether it's believing they have no value, whether it's been some type of an attack. And here they are in this moment and they feel this heaviness of this slavery. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that they would be set free from this. Father, I pray for those individuals here who have negative thoughts that stem, stem from evil situations of their past. And it's almost like they can't get over that. And those negative thoughts come over and over, and it has wounded them. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would heal them in their minds. I pray, Father, that there would be a healing of memories for you. Not only that you would just forget. I, I'm not saying about forget. I'm talking about that when you remember that person, when you remember that event, that the pain of that event has been healed. So God, come and bring this miracle of healing of memories. Father, let your presence come in this room today. In the name of Jesus, let people who are sitting here sense that this is not just like any other moment of their day or any other day of their week, but this is one of those moments that is holy before you. Come, Lord, and bring your Holy Spirit, God, bring the angels of heaven. Let it fill this room and let us uh, respect and honor you. As we remember on this Lord's Day.
We remember your goodness. We remember your kindness. You rem we remember what you've given us and what you've done for us. And today we worship you. And we simply say thank you. So in closing, say this. Say, Lord, I receive. Say that. Say, I receive what you have for me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. I'm so glad to that you came and braved the rainy weather. I'm so glad that you're here in the presence of the Lord. And I just want to encourage you to, uh, if you know of somebody that needs to hear this message, it'll be online today on YouTube. Just start to share that. Just get the word out. I really feel like that people struggle because they are trying to serve Pharaoh. That they're trying to find their identity in what they do. And therefore, they never rest, never reflect, because they're always doing something. This is a day of rest. This is a day of peace for you. I also just think about, and I didn't even have this in my notes, just that whole concept of healing of memories. Man, we live in a, a junked-up world. And where you have been bombarded with negative things and people have said things over you. I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, we're going to bring every thought into captivity. And I want to speak life and hope over you. And as we pray these 21 days, I want to speak life and hope over that your mind would be transformed, renewed. And that your, those negative thoughts, those negative pain, the pain of those thoughts would be healed in Jesus' name. So go in peace. Look forward to seeing you next week as we close this out. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.